0: No, well, I just want to say welcome to all of you. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Rob Pfeiffer, and I serve as one of the pastors here at Four Oaks Killarn. I specifically oversee our our family ministries and then also do some things with local outreach. And uh, if you're wondering where Pastor Paul is, he, he is traveling today, uh, Lord willing, the plan is he'll be back next week, and uh, he'll be diving in back into the Matthew series. And... Uh, giving us an intro to the the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, looking forward to hearing that. But I just want to let you know that I'm very thankful. It's an honor to be able to be with you this morning, in particular to be able to to preach God's Word to you this morning. And so I mentioned we're picking back up on Matthew next week. That means we are not going to be in Matthew today. We, in fact, are going to be in the book of Galatians, and Galatians chapter 5, to be more specific so why Galatians, you may ask? Well, the answer is simple. Uh, I've been teaching through Galatians on Wednesday nights in the youth group, and we, in fact, just wrapped that up uh, a couple weeks ago and finished that up. So this, is, this book has been very much upon my heart, and uh, I do think God has, has led us to this time to be able to focus on a particular area of Galatians. And I mentioned youth group. Can I just like do a couple things real quick? I just want to gush on our, on our youth if I could. Um, so March is typically, it's our, our retreat season. Uh, so we uh, just last week, we were uh, with our middle school students. We had a weekend retreat with them. Wonderful time. God is being very faithful in, in meeting our students, uh, our leaders. And as we spent the weekend together, he was uh, very much a blessing in that. Uh, we in fact have our high school retreat coming up in a couple weeks. We have about sixty folks uh, heading over or heading down to Panama City, uh, looking forward to that. And just really ask that you keep in prayer uh, that that time our students, our, our leaders who will be ministering over the course of the weekend. Uh, we just had a, a worship night uh, this past Wednesday. Uh, Pastor Joe Julie led us into a time of worship with the students and. I just want to say that there's just there's really been uh, a really perceived, experienced, observed uh, gospel awakening within the life of our students. And I'm very thankful to God for that, responding, repentance, and, and really seeking to, to draw closer to the Lord, learn more about the gospel, and, and just really learn more about what God has for them in their lives. And I just want to say thank you to you as the church for this supporting the ministries we're able to do to our next generation. There's a number of you out here right now that, that serve as leaders, whether it be in our kids' ministry, our youth ministry. Uh, and it's, it's been a joy to always be a part of that for the past years or so that I've been leading it. But again, you as the church really care about our youth and our next generation. So thank you for that. And may I just say, if you're a youth here today, fifth through twelfth grade, raise your hand. We want to see you. I know you're here. Man, some of you aren't even raising your hand, man. Come on. I'm about to call you out. Oh, there it is. Yeah, I looked right at him. Anyway, I just want you to know that you are loved. Uh, You are loved by God, by Christ, but I hope you're always able to see just how much this church loves you and desires to keep leading you. So just had to throw that in there. So Galatians series, we've been talking a lot about different things, Uh, the theme No other gospel is what we were tracking with over six weeks, really focusing in on the fact that that we are not saved by our works, but we are saved by faith in Jesus Christ. And we focused a lot on this week in and week out. And the thing is, is that in the culture of our youth group, one thing that exists is a lot of knowledge. And I'm very thankful for this. Knowledge about the word, knowledge about theology, even knowledge about who Jesus is. And I'm thankful. But one thing we dove into, it doesn't mean you're going to heaven or you're saved just because you know about something. We were talking about faith. We were talking about the fact that it is faith that joins us to Christ. It is faith that that we are justified in Christ. And through that, we know that we are new creations in Christ. We know that in the spirit and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are called to walk in that power, to follow, to obey Christ, and to kill sin. We are walking in victory because of Jesus Christ. And that is something that we discussed, that we taught on, that we prayed in. And another thing, an aspect that led us to some really good application was toward the end of of the letter. And we focused in chapter 5, chapter 6. But in chapter 5 in particular, talking about the fruits of the Spirit. What are the evidences and fruits of the Spirit working in one's life? And we need to be taking note of this. We need to be evaluating it. We need to be asking, man, am I seeing the fruit of the Spirit manifested in my life as I follow Christ? And if we're walking through seasons where we're not seeing that, that should cause us to do something. What's up? What's going on? And so today, I think there's something that God has for us in this aspect of of how is the Spirit bearing fruit in our life? In particular, how is that being manifested as we walk at a pace with the Spirit, truly loving each other, but also understanding that there is a real pace to walking with the Spirit, a pace that goes against our hurried culture that we live in today. Now I mentioned that we're in retreat season in our youth ministry and one characteristic of the experience we seek to help our students have is to truly find a way to pull away, to rest, to focus on something different than the the schedules of their day, whether it be school, extracurricular activities, all the things that go on because we truly are busy. But they're able to find Jesus and find a real experience with the Spirit as they follow Christ. And I'm praying that today we're able to be pointed to what that looks like as we read here in Galatians. We'll be in Galatians 5, and we're going to be talking about keeping in step with the Spirit. We're going to be talking about what keeping in step looks like and see that the primary characteristic of this pace and what it looks like is loving one another in the outworking of the Holy Spirit from our faith in Christ. And that the pace of keeping in step is a lot less hurried than what our culture tends to push us in. So Galatians chapter 5, we're going to be in verses 13 through 25. And I'd like to invite you to stand if you're able and willing as I read through this passage for us. Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another. Watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires." If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Father, as we gather now, Father, I give praise to you. As I think of us singing together, coming together in fellowship, and now we here have your word before us. God, thank you that we can truly gather in the presence of your word, in the presence of Christ, and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, I pray that you are glorified in all that is spoken this morning and all that we do. And we ask that you do guide our hearts this morning. King Jesus, we thank you. We praise you for what you have done for us, dying for us, living the life we could not live, and knowing that you are with us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you guide our time this morning, that you illuminate the truth of the word to our hearts, that you transform our hearts, that you empower us to live as we are called, and I pray for your peace to be with us, and we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So the title of our sermon this morning is Keeping in Step with the Spirit. Keeping in Step with the Spirit main idea, the main point that I, I want to drive home, I, I desire that the Lord helps us see this morning, is that keeping in step with the Spirit is the selfless pace of Christian love. By keeping in step with the Spirit, it is the selfless pace of Christian love. And there's three observations, three points I want to take us through, and, and they are these, that number one, that, that love, it serves others. Two, love for others proceeds from faith in Christ. And three, God calls us to move at the pace of his spirit. So love serves others. And I took some time, I didn't dive too deep in it. I have to admit, I went to like some commentaries to try and find this out, did some research. So I didn't actually do the hand counting here. But looking through the epistles, through the Paul's letters, we, we see that there's, there's three main uses of love. We see that first is God's love and Christ's love for us. We see that second is our love for God. And third, far and away, most often we see is love for our fellow humans, our fellow brother, our fellow sister in Christ. The world around us. So in fact, there's 115 mentions of the word love in Paul's letters. 20 refer to God's love for us. Five or six refer to our love for God. But there's almost 90 that refer to our love for fellow humans. Now, in some ways, I was surprised at this because it's like, well, no, I think it would be the first of like our love for God, that we are called to love God with our, all of our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength. And don't get me wrong, I mean, Paul's theology is good here. He, he, mentions, he mentions this, but he mostly talks about our orientation to God and our faith and joins that to love of others. Basically he talks about the Christian life in some as faith in God and love toward others. A couple of verses to give you, Ephesians 1:15, "I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And there's many instances of this, of this greeting, of this saying that he gives to the church. We find this in Colossians and Thessalonians and Timothy where Paul says, we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. So Paul is celebrating their faith in God, their faith in Christ, but he's always quick to talk about, I'm also hearing of your love for one another. These two go hand in hand. Faith in Christ, our love for one another. And you see, we know that love of God, love of our neighbor, it's it's what we see in the law. We see this in the Ten Commandments, where God's law begins with love me. And we see this in the first four commandments. We also see in Commandments 5 through 10 that, that God's law is fulfilled as we love one another. And Jesus, of course, summarized the law as, number one, love for God, and number two, love for neighbor. And Paul emphasizes love as fulfilling of the law more in the letter of Galatians than he does anywhere else. There's three of them. Galatians five six. Paul says, "In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision, nor circumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love." Galatians five fourteen. The whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And we also see in Galatians 6:2 where it says, or Paul says, "Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, the fulfilling of the law through loving our neighbor. And we see even the apostle John, there's, there's similar shape to how John will write about love and faith, and he speaks about it as a completing, or a perfecting of love. First comes God's love for us, then our love for Him, then His love fulfilled or completed in our love for others. First John chapter four, verses 17 and 18. "By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is so, also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear, where fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Perfected in love. So our love, our serving others, fulfills or completes what God requires, which begins in his love for us, in our faith toward him. And that leads us to the second point. That love for others, it proceeds from a faith from our faith in Christ. It proceeds from that. What we're seeing here is that that we're talking about the fruits of the spirit, okay, we're going to be getting into this. When you think of a plant or a tree, there's there's a root of that tree. And that root is firmly planted in the soil that is fertile. And what springs forth from that tree is the fruit. As we're talking about this, I want you to see and think of as our faith in Christ as the root. It is the root for all things that we do, believe, and how we live. In particular, bearing the fruit of love. You know, Paul's summary It's it's always this this Godward term that that there is this vertical faith that produces a horizontal and outward love to those around us. Real quickly again, in in 1 Timothy 1.5, Paul says, the aim of our charge is love that issues or you can say proceeds from a pure heart in a good conscience and a sincere faith. Genuine love for others begins with faith in Christ. Or we might say, faith in Christ in us is the channel through which genuine love flows for others. All right, so how how is this happening? What, What is taking place here? Now, think about this. Think about when you first, if you're a believer in here, when did you first come to know Jesus? What was the circumstance? What is your testimony? What is the story? of how God worked in your life to bring you to the understanding that you need a Savior, that the Spirit's work in you produce this faith to cry out and say, yes, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Do you think about that on a regular basis? Do you then think about what took place in your life as God was doing that in your life? The freeing, the fulfillment, the joy, the joy, I tend to think as we continue to follow after Christ, because of the hurriedness, because of all the distractions, we tend to lose sight. We tend to lose experience of just how much joy this simply faith in Christ produces. Faith delights and rests in Christ, it liberates us from the prison of self and prompts us to expand that joy by drawing others through acts of love. You see, I said before, we need to understand our faith in Christ as the root. It's very often to think of this in reverse, and this kind of ties back into a lot of what we were talking about in our our youth group, about, you know, we can't rest in our works and think that that is what draws us and, and, and clings us to God. But it's so easy to do that especially as we love one another. We understand that the true Christian virtue of loving one another is required, but if we're not rooting that in our faith in Christ, in our identity in Christ, we tend to start loving in a way that's not truly Christ-like. What do I mean by that? Well, it's possible to I think that we can truly love in a way that's just reflecting and thinking of just ourselves. We can love in a way that just puffs us up because we know we're doing good for somebody and and that we're maybe doing random acts of kindness. I'm showing the love of Christ. But you can see where that can go wrongly. Over time, that may produce this and add to a real moralistic way of like walking with Christ. It can produce a real moralistic view of Christianity that is not Christianity. I'm always driving this point home with our teenagers. Your salvation is because of faith in Jesus Christ. It is not doing good. It is not the appearance of let me do good. It's not the appearance or the pursuit of pleasing those around you, pleasing your parents, pleasing all the authorities in your life. But... We can see how easy it is to live that way, no matter how old we are. If we're not resting, if we're not focusing on the roots of our walk with Christ as our faith in Christ, we're not going to then function in a way that truly the fruit of loving somebody is truly the outworking and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit That's when love is taking place. That's when it's impactful. That's when it's transforming because something outside of us has caused it and it's at work. Our faith in Christ, which we are justified in Christ, it's outside of us. The working of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit of what we just read working through us, that's happening outside of us. It's not because of our own strength. It's not because of our own knowledge. It's external. That's the love that's impactful. Because typically, what's happening is we're focusing on the other person. We're not focusing on ourselves. So, the way that love as serving others happens, think about this when we came to Christ we die to ourselves. When you first experienced dying to yourself was when you placed your faith in Christ and trusted in God, God's plan, the gospel. And that faith is not mutually exclusive with God's spirit, but produced and sustained by God's spirit and our affections and actions of love are inspired and empowered by the spirit. We have to see these things together and let it be an evaluation of of our own lives and how we are truly seeking to serve the kingdom. Like I said, it's easy to rest on our works and our duty as Christians, especially when we're loving others with this attitude. It it often falls short on the receiver. Give you a quick illustration. So over the course of my marriage, been married 30 years, I refer to what I call my my doofus factor. And that ebbs and flows. And what I mean doofus factor, as I relate to my beautiful bride. And in one particular area, and I still struggle with this, I mean, my my love language isn't like gift giving or gift receiving, whatever that's called. See, I'm already failing. Um, But it can be a real challenge for me to give gifts. You know why it truly is? Because what am I doing? I'm thinking more about myself and how I'm going to be received. And I want to really get the approval of the person I'm giving the gift to. And it, it just gets so like convoluted and out of whack. And all I'm doing is I'm focusing on myself. And I'm like, ooh, I would give gifts to Shannon sometimes. And I'm, in my mind, like this is the amazing, awesome gift. It's the best one I've ever bought. And she's going to be blown away. And what does she do? Doesn't really receive it that way. I sense that. And what's up? And someone had to tell me one time, a brother in Christ, dude, um, did she, is that something she really likes? I mean, is that who she is? Is that going to bless her? And I'm like, what do you mean? I mean, I'm giving her a gift. It's an awesome gift. It's great. Yeah, but dude, it's, you're not even thinking of her. Very true. You see, as, as true as love, as if it's rooted in Christ, if it's rooted in our faith, you know, there, there's something at work that I'm truly understanding that I've died to myself. It's not about me, it's how I bless and view others. And there's a real aspect of, of dying to oneself as we seek to love others in this way. A little quick application here. Do you find yourself, are you typically dying for your brother or sister in Christ? Do you view your relationships in this way? Especially when dealing with conflict. There's a lot of things that can happen in conflict when things are done against us. And of course we want justice in that, but at the same time, An example in Christ and faith in Christ is no, I'm I'm called to die to myself. I'm called to think upon the other. Let me think about my own heart right now and 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 how I'm affecting this relationship because of my sin. Going back to my faith in Christ, and then know that I can love out of that, even if it's not received. Even if something's been done wrong. You see the act in the, in the, in the, the route of a Christian life is always going to be filled with dying to oneself. I think we can easily be reminded and say, yeah, I've died to myself. I'm, I'm repentant in Christ. And, and I'm, I'm thinking of that vertically. But how are we thinking about that horizontally? Are we loving one another in the way Christ died and loved us. Point three then brings us to a place of, okay, this, you know, there's there's good foundation here, there's good reminder here, there's there's a description of of what is external to us and being justified by faith in Christ, but also the working of the Spirit in us. But I think another thing we tend to me especially, fall into is that I'm, I'm, I'm often out of pace with what the Spirit is calling and desiring of me, which is point three, that God calls us to move at the pace of the Spirit. And I admit that may sound a little like abstract, I, I get it, but we're seeing in verse 25 where Paul says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. There is a pace at which the Spirit moves and works. And how easy it is for the Christian to presume upon the Holy Spirit that he will adjust to us. Our pace. What we think should happen. Which, you know, I think you get it. I don't find any word in Galatians 5 about the Spirit's remarkable variability of speed and that the Spirit will track us down no matter how fast or how sedentary our pace of life is. The clear emphasis here is that that the Spirit takes the lead and we follow. The Spirit sets the pace. Chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Walk by the Spirit. Chapter 5, verse 18, it says, if you are led by the Spirit, and again, verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. The call is to walk with the Spirit at the Spirit's pace. Be led by the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. If you're a visual person like me, it's always, I always like to think in pictures. And, and I think this picture of walking, it's a powerful image for the Christian life. And I know that Paul mentioned several times about running, the race. See this in Galatians 2.2. We see it in Philippians 2.16. In fact, in Galatians 5.7, Paul is lamenting. He said, Galatians, you were running well. What's happened to you? Referring to them reverting to the law rather than their faith in Christ. He likens the Christian life, Paul, to to a kind of foot race with with a prize at the end. We see that in 1 Corinthians 9.24. He says, so run that you may obtain it. But I think it's important to think about this running metaphor as, as more of just the endurance. Keep at it. Run the race to the finish. Don't stop. Keep going. But there's a pace. And I think that pace we see is more about walking. And more so just being mindful. Are we being led? Or are we trying to lead? Romans 8.4. The righteousness requirement of the law, which is love, will be fulfilled in us who walk, not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Romans 14, 15, if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. Ephesians two ten. we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ephesians 4.1, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Ephesians 5.1.2, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This walking, again, this is not just aimless. This is not without a lead or a goal. This is not without a trajectory. It is by the Spirit. Before I get into some applications of of just how do we approach this, what are we being called to do today about pace, can I just read to you again verses 22 and 23? of Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. May I share with you, even as I read that aloud now, as I've read this aloud over the course of the week and even studying Galatians as I read that aloud, there's something in me that, that begins to do what? It begins to slow down. As powerful as the Spirit is, remember, who raised Christ from the dead? I'm not saying that the Spirit is not powerful, but there is actually also a gentleness, a pace, a perfection, Especially as we seek to walk in love of our brother and sister. If we're living the hurried pace of our culture, I already talked about love and how that can get misaligned and we, we misapply it. But are we patient in the hurriedness? Is there gentleness in the hurriedness? Which then can lead to a lack of kindness even a lack of self-control, especially when it comes to having a peace. I think we here who are Christians understand when we are out of sync. We feel empty. We feel frustrated. There's something that we're not at pace with. If you're not a believer here, but God, I want to assure you, God is waiting. God, would, God has provided a way for you to come to him in Christ. Maybe there's something in your, you can just tell, there's something stirring in you. May I invite you to consider the Holy Spirit at work in your life, and maybe this is where you need to place your faith in Christ. The Spirit, it works in ways that slow us down. So can I say to us this morning, you have permission to slow down. Like I can grant you that. Look, I, I, I know that there are people in here who have very influential careers, jobs, demands. I think of families with young children, the life of, of a mother raising their children, the life of the father and mother together raising the family. It is busy. There is a lot that we are pulled and called to do, and it can feel very out of control, but what I want us to see, it's, I'm not saying that uh, uh, if, you know, if we're seeking to live a less hurried life, that doesn't mean I'm saying we need to be less busy. But I think it's true that, that our culture is, is really defined by this hurried up way of life. A couple years ago, took a sabbatical, very thankful for this. My family and I were able to get away for a, a summer. And I've mentioned this to people, I know Shannon has, and even in some teaching, That one of the books we read through was, it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. It's by John Mark Comer, it's a pastor out in Portland. And the book itself was, was written around a quote by Dallas Willard, who says, Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. In fact, one of the quotes from the book of Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, John Mark Comer, he says this about hurry. He says, the problem isn't when you have a lot to do. It's when you have too much to do. And the only way to keep the quota up is to hurry, to catch up. So how are you doing at pace this morning? Are you keeping in step with the spirits who produces this fruit of love? in all that we've read here? Or are you presuming that the Spirit will adjust to your step, which has been set by the frenzy and laziness of this world? I know this, that very few lives are lived essentially at a static pace. We're, We're either feverishly going after something or we're sluggish. And I'm not saying that it always have to be, we always have to be just pursuing, pursuing, pursuing. There's seasons, there's, there's, there's a call, there's a pace that I believe the Spirit is calling us to. And let me assume like you, I want the Holy Spirit to produce fruit in my life. I want the Holy Spirit to produce fruit in your life. I want the Spirit to be working in powerful ways in the life of our church. But it's not going to happen if we're out of step. So, what are some things we can be thinking about? There's three things I just want to take us through quickly here. The first, and I know when I read it, some of you can be like, okay, I've heard that before. Number one, how hurried are my devotions? There, I said it. And I don't want you to take this as like a work or like to to heap this upon you. But I want you to think about this. Do you prioritize a daily season for unhurried Bible meditation and prayer? Are you able to move at the pace of the text as you read it? Or do you feel the pressure to do your devotions at the pace of modern life? A related question might be, how quick are you to flee the scene from corporate worship and community group to get to the next thing? I get it. We have busy schedules. But I think you can relate to what I'm talking about. We, it's so easy to be like, I know I'm right here, but I could be thinking about 15 minutes ahead. I do that a lot. It's not good. I mean, I can, it, it's just There's 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 an unhealthy way to live in that way. There's a healthy way, strategic, you know, being you know kind of see what's coming. But I want to say to you that in the power of the Spirit, that's where we want to be. So, how hurried are my devotions? Another question is, do I have enough room for God's wonderfully humbling providences? Are you frustrated this morning? Are your plans not working out? Some of us in here kind of are more go with the flow and they're like, I'm fine with that. I'll just adapt and be all right. Others, type A affects us differently, but I don't care if you're type A or type Z. We have frustrations. We have have those things in our life that things aren't going according to plan and we're frustrated by them. And you see what we typically do in our hurry culture is we do this. Obstacle, I must eliminate that at all costs. And guys, that can even be a person. I mean, this person's like in my way because I got this goal. And I'm like, no, I got to like get out of the way here or get you out of the way. Or I'm going to run around you to get what I want. Is that a life of being empowered by the spirit and love? No. One thing we have to, I have to realize, and I believe God makes a point to do this regularly, is to frustrate our plans so that we can increase our self reliance on Him. God's jealous like that. He's loving like that. He's a disciplinarian like that. Why? Because He wants you, He wants me. The reason your life goes as planned so infrequently is because God loves you. And if your planning isn't factoring in the normal variables of daily life in a world you do not run, by the way, (laughs) how are you loving others? You can see how this gets in the way of how we truly are to be loving others when we're focusing on our own plans and being frustrated by them not coming to fruition. And then our goal ends up being trying to fix it all the time. That is a very lack of peace way to live life outside of what the Spirit calls us to live. Last question. Do I have enough margin in my schedule in life for other people's needs and interests or requests? I say this with sensitivity. I, I don't, we, we often find ourselves in seasons of just the, the pace seems fast it seems overwhelming and i'm not saying that if you're experiencing that there's something wrong i think god works in that way too to grow our faith and to move things according to his plan but i do think in the everyday the mundane if you will we need to evaluate how much of my schedule allowing for me to focus on other people I think of this as a parent as a husband How much of my schedule is preventing me from being present to my family? Kids, plug your ears. Kids are demanding, man. You can unplug your ears. I get it. But you have to think at certain times and seasons of life, God places us in that moment To be that presence, that place, that encouragement, that source of truth, that empowered by the Spirit presence for our children, for our neighbor, for our brother and sister in Christ. And again, we're not in the mode of thinking or in the pace of the Spirit, if what? If we're constantly thinking about our own selves. So is life moving too fast for you to see the needs of others? What pace of life will that be for you? Do you have too much on your plate? I think we all can be in places of evaluating these things to really make some faith-filled decisions as to what we are to do and how to structure our life. And can I just say, we cannot forget that God is faithful and just to forgive. We may be in a place that we truly need to repent before God, repent to our our, our, our spouses, our children, those around us. You see, we're not in a place that we can't do something. We are in a place, and that is to submit, to die to ourselves, to repent, and to serve, and be empowered by the Spirit. And so in conclusion, let me just reiterate a couple things here, that the less hurried life is not an unproductive life. It is not a less fulfilled life. Our example of Jesus. Pretty sure we can deduce that Jesus was not idle. He was not frenzied also. He walked, and he walked, and he walked. And from what we can tell from the Gospels, Jesus' days, they were full I think it would be fair to say that he was busy. He was not, but he was not frenzied. His days were full, and yet he did not seem to be in a hurry. He moved, he moved at the pace of love. And I do think that's what we need to hear. Are we moving at the pace of love? I want to be like this. But let me just say, it's not strictly about the pace. All right? All right? We could be that place where we're in sync, we're living, we're doing good. Most important, it's about where we are with Christ. And you see, this is good news for us because again, what does it point to us? That love is the fruit of the Spirit. It's not a fruit of our flesh. It's not the fruit of our strength. Love is produced by the Spirit through us, not apart from us. Our fruit of love Happens in and through us by the power of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit not only produces the fruit of love in and through us, but he also pours God's love into our hearts. We see this in Romans 5:5. 5, 5. And that is this is happening, we're bearing fruit by the Spirit. It's not foremost in us or for us, but it's in Christ. Again, first, we are rooted and grounded in love. That is Christ's love for us. And the fruit that bears is the spirit at work. It is good news to know that we are not the root in and of ourselves, but it is Christ that we are rooted in. And our fruit of love and doing good, engaged as we are in the process, is not our own, but the working power of God's spirit. That's where I want us to be. And so as we close this time out, this is a good time to be thinking and meditating on just where is it that God wants us to get in pace with him. Where is the Holy Spirit calling you? How is the Holy Spirit calling you to be in pace with the perfect pace of what God moves and does through the, by his will? I'd like to call and invite our, our leaders to come forward who are serving communion this morning and let's let's take a moment to to prepare our hearts to reflect upon okay what is God speaking to us if you're feeling condemned if you're feeling overwhelmed this table represents what forgiveness it represents what Christ has done for us by dying on the cross for us and that in faith in him we are justified we are renewed the call to us is to repent Let's take a couple minutes just to reflect upon that and meditate upon what he is speaking to us.